and we're live. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Jonathan Kogan Show. I'm your host, Johnny K. Let's get into it. This is a very serious topic. We don't have music as the intro. We have legitimate escalations in the Russian-Ukraine war. It's not good. And there's also a lot coming out. I don't know if you saw it. You probably didn't. That's why you come to this pod, which, by the way, before we get started, please subscribe to the Jonathan Kogan Show wherever you get your podcasts. If you appreciate the show, give it a five-star rating. Even a little description helps with the algorithm, helps with the pod. That's all I ask of you. And also share it with as many friends as you can. And we take the truth mainstream because we're becoming the mainstream. So serious escalation, which I'm going to actually get to first. The second part that you probably have not heard of, Putin gave a uh, a speech at a roundtable with South Africa a few days ago or in the past week. And he shows, and I'm going to play the video, he shows the peace treaty that was initiated by the top negotiator of Ukraine that was signed. And he outlines like it outlines all the details, like, you know, how many military can be in there, you know, where they can be, you know, what you can and can't do. And they were ready to sign it. Ukraine and Russia were ready to sign it. And then the West, it's been told that's Boris Johnson, but it doesn't matter if it's the US, if it's if it's Great Britain, just the West really, really loves war. I mean, have we not proven uh, since the Soviet Union collapsed? We just we love war. We just invade countries at will. We say, hey, you got weapons of mass destruction. Doesn't matter if it's true. We're going to invade you. It doesn't matter. Afghanistan is going to last like a year. Okay, 20 years later. No big deal. That's what we do around here. Okay, we invade because we want everybody to have democracy and we are just servants of the angels. Okay, in real talk, though, what's really happening is uh, you have the first thing I'm going to get into is this is from um, Zelensky. But I'm pulling up the tweet right now. If you're watching, Aaron Mate tweeted this, and this is on top of the quote tweet, which I'm going to get into Zelensky's tweet. I mean, this is very serious. And you have to understand the reason why. I, well, I'll tell you why. Here's what Aaron Mate said. He goes, this quote intelligence comes just as Ukraine's widely hyped counteroffensive is failing miserably. And then in quotations, as predicted, including by Pentagon leaks. And then he writes a dangerous moment. Okay. So Zelensky put out this uh, video on Twitter and a statement, and it's got 6.4 million views. And the reason I'm concerned about it, and I'm going to read it in a second, is at least in America with the current regime, what's going on, something we've learned is that everything they accuse the uh, the other person of doing is what they are doing themselves. This 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 unbelievable ability to project perfectly exactly what they're doing to the other person and saying the other person did whatever it is, whether it's domestic politics, foreign politics, it doesn't matter. That is exactly what the regime is doing itself. Okay. It's almost perfect. If you, the projection, the last three years, if you just go off what they said, other people are doing and you turn that around against the regime, you would nail almost every single topic perfectly. It's almost hundred percent. So here's what Zelensky said. We have just had a report from our intelligence and the security service of Ukraine. Intelligence has received information that Russia is considering a scenario of a terrorist attack on the Zaporozhye nuclear power plant, a terrorist attack with radiation leakage. They have prepared everything for this. 
Unfortunately, I have repeatedly had to remind that radiation has no state borders and who it will hit is determined only by the wind direction. We share all available information with our partners, everyone in the world, all the evidence, Europe, America, China, Brazil, India, the Arab world, Africa, all countries, absolutely everyone should know this, international organizations, everyone. There should never be any terrorist attacks on nuclear power plants anywhere. This time, it should not be like uh, Kharkova. The world has been warned. So the world can and must act. And he says that and he gives a whole video here. Uh, but it's in Ukrainian, so I'm not going to give the voiceover. But he, he uh, I'll do a little bit of it. But I want to get to something real quick because Russia just put out a video. Now, listen, listen. Is it possible that this intelligence is actually 100% factual and that Russia is planning to do this? Yeah, Russia's terrible, okay? They're, or their government, sorry. Their government's terrible, okay? They're doing terrible things, all right? They invaded a country, all right? It's complicated. I get it. They were provoked, all this stuff. We know the history on this podcast. We get it. But still, we're anti-violence. And above that, we're anti-nuclear war. We don't think countries should be invaded and stuff like that. We don't, we don't, we're not about that life. And so... um, so what I'm saying is, is that, yes, it's possible that Putin's doing this. But the thing is, is that it's hard to 100% believe that knowing that the people in charge of the world at this current moment are perfect at doing this game of projection. And so this forewarning is like, oh, my God, are they losing this counteroffensive? So perhaps they have to do something drastic, this nuclear power plant and say it's Russia, because everything's Russia. Everything's Russia. If you stub your toe, it's Russia, okay? If your phone isn't charging because the charging function's broken, it's Putin, okay? If the gas goes up, it's Putin's price hike. If the gas goes down, Biden is a hero. You know how this works. You know how this works. So I am concerned that this is a case of projection and the counteroffensive isn't going as planned. And perhaps, perhaps they are planning on doing something drastic to possibly change the war get things escalated get more people in get some more money laundering from the public to, uh, from the public private partnership from you know public taxpayers to private entities more weapons more chaos more disruption because war can erase debts and we have too much debt and so we want war we want war for a variety of reasons that's a big one it's, a, it's like a massive reset okay it's such a big mistake, okay? A world war is a terrible idea. And the peasants on every country, I guarantee you the Russians, the Ukrainians, nobody on the peasant level wants to fight. So if we can get around the messaging that is coming from the governments and the regime and the mainstream media and talk to one another, we could probably offer and sign a peace agreement amongst ourselves. And then the elites can go to war all they want on their own private properties, like beachfront properties. They can have little war games. They can do whatever they want. Okay. They can even probably buy, they can go to Epstein Island and play, and play war with each other. Okay. Just don't bring little kids. That's all we ask. Keep the kids out of it. So I want to play the video though that Russia just put out. And then I'm gonna play the video of Putin showing the agreement. And then I'm going to go through a thread. So, uh, I reposted this. Uh, this was Tim Dillon reposted this video and he wrote, uh, the Biden administration's stance on Ukraine is that we all must die. So the American empire can keep printing money and selling weapons. It's not about the, it's not about the Ukraine and never was. This will become even more apparent as they sacrifice more lives instead of urging peace talks. And here's the video that I want to share. 
and I want to make sure you can hear this. It's 40 seconds and it's very, very important. So take a listen. Defense Minister Sergei Shoigu says Ukraine is planning to attack Russian territory with NATO-supplied missiles. He warned that if it happened, Moscow would retaliate. According to the information we have, the command of Ukraine's armed forces plans to attack Russian territory, including Crimea, with HIMARS and storm missiles. Deployment of these missiles beyond the zone of the special military operation would mean full-scale involvement of the United States and Britain in the conflict. This would entail immediate strikes on decision-making centers on Ukraine's territory. So did you hear that? That was the defense minister, Russian defense minister. So he said that Ukraine has plans to use HIMARS and Storm Shadow missiles to strike Russian territory, according to their intelligence, which Russia would consider a... I don't know why he would read that off as if a lie, but maybe it is. Maybe it is. Maybe this is... It's hard to tell what's true or not true in the fog of war, but that this would consider a, quote, full-scale involvement of the U.S. and the U.K., and he claims that if it happens, they will consider this as a red line escalation and will immediately strike Ukrainian decision-making centers, meaning Ukrainian leaders a la Zelensky. Do you see where this is going? How quickly this escalates? If one of these dumb decisions, whether it's Ukraine, whether it's Russia, either blowing up the nuclear plant or Ukraine striking in Russian territory, which they said they never would at the beginning of the war, right? They never would. They would just defend themselves. We would never remember. The whole thing was we would never send long range missiles because that would create World War III. And we don't want World War III. They're lying to you. Of course they want World War III. They don't care if peasants die. They, they sit in a boardroom in D.C. talking about drinking their coffee that is probably imported, custom-made from Colombia and Guatemala with the beans made by slaves in the basement that are polishing their shoes saying, oh, 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 let's just uh, let's kill like 20,000 a day and 40,000. And then Bill Gates in the background saying, we got too many people anyway, so what the hell? The whole thing's bananas. All right. The whole thing is just bananas. So let's go through this thread and I'm going to play the video where Putin shows the peace agreement that could have been if the West didn't just totally, we just destroyed the peace agreement because we want war. How sick is that? That's sick. Ukraine and Russia, both of them had an agreement in place. This isn't just Russia. This is Ukraine too. They didn't want war. Of course not. You know how many hundreds of thousands of Ukrainian youth are dead now because of this? And Russian, but of Ukrainian? It's terrible. And people are cheering this to go on forever. Think about that. That's sick. Go fight. If you want to go fight, go fight. But don't let other people die. Okay? We need people to stop dying. All right? Especially when the whole world hangs in the balance because of the nuclear possibilities, whether it's a nuclear power plant or nuclear weapons, and could literally destroy if not much, if not all of humanity. So shut up. Let's do peace. Let me read this thread by Olga Bezova. She said, yesterday, Putin revealed an extremely important piece of information. In April 2022, an agreement of permanent neutrality of Ukraine was signed between Russia and Ukraine. It also reveals that the Western narrative that Putin can't be trusted is just another projection. By the way, very important thing that I just read here, just real quick is the permanent neutrality of Ukraine. Now, I've covered this. You can go listen. I've covered Jeffrey Sachs, who's the foremost expert on this, who's worked directly with the Soviet Union and Russia and other world leaders and is trying to get the word out. Can't get on mainstream, but is on other podcasts like the Duran. And other, you go listen to him and how 
Ukraine has to be neutral. And now all you're hearing about in the media is talks about how we need to fast track Ukraine and NATO, which we know, meaning the West knows that that is an absolute red line. If that happens, it's absolute World War Three. Everything's it's over. OK, that could be the end of humanity. We know that. That's pressing buttons we said we never would press. So just keep that in mind. Continuing the thread. The basic outline of the agreement, there's pictures here. If you're not, if you're not um, uh, seeing it, uh, if you're not watching video, I will read it. The basic outline of the agreement is as follows. One, Russia withdraws troops from Kiev, Sumy, and Chernigov. Sorry for my pronunciation. Two, Ukraine declares neutrality. Three, Ukraine reduces its armed forces. Four, Ukraine gives up NATO aspirations in exchange for security guarantee guarantees from a number of countries. The countries in question are the UK, the US, Turkey, France, China, and Belarus. But what happened next will most likely go down in history as the beginning of an end of Ukraine as we know it. Russia did indeed withdraw its troops, which was joked about as a gesture of goodwill. It was coined as the defeat of Russia in the Battle of Kiev. It turns out that it was indeed a gesture of goodwill. Having snuffed it out, Boris Johnson flew to meet with Zelensky, who subsequently, quote, on the orders of Washington, threw this treaty into the dustbin of history, close quote. From this moment on, the escalation curve steepens to the state of no return for Ukraine as the West seems to have promised a slew of wonder weapons and unlimited support to Ukraine to defeat the pesky Russians once and for all. Since even before the conflict, we've been hearing weasels such as Paul Massaro and McFall scream at the top of their lungs that Russia cannot be trusted and Russia always lies. But as we can see here, the reality is quite different, and it's the West and Ukraine that constantly lie. The bloodthirsty psychopath leaders of the West wanted Russian blood so much that they sacrificed an entire nation to satisfy their thirst for Russian blood and expose themselves to once again be cynical hypocrites. And now they too are paying the price. And a lot of this is that, you know, it's interesting. A lot of people that are doing all this, Jake Sullivan, Christina Newland, these are all people that were in the George Bush Jr.'s administration. Okay, Republican, pro-war, ultimate war administration are now in the Biden administrations, which is Democrats. Ask yourself, why are all the pro-war Iraq war people that were with Bush now accepted into the Biden administration? It seems like there was a uniparty deal of some sort that, in that if we get Biden in, we will combine the best of both worlds. Doesn't it? It's very odd. Otherwise, you hate the Republicans so much, you don't think you'd put them in your cabinet to manage a war after their resume shows that they failed the last time they managed a war, which is Iraq, which was all based on lies and went terribly. And now they're doing it again with Ukraine? That should just You should just ask questions, okay? It's odd. It's strange. It's very weird. Let's continue. The former Israeli PM, Naftali Bennett, has also confirmed that peace talks have been derailed by the Western leaders. Addendum. Pictured as a draft of the document that both parties have agreed to. An important addendum, and then David Sachs talks about it. So that is super important. And to show that we bring you the source documents, because that's what's needed. This is Putin, 
a few days ago in this past week showing the document for the first time that there was a peace agreement. So the West is saying, oh, you know, there's no peace agreement that Putin's crazy, all this stuff. Everything's a lot. He shows it on camera. And of course, yes, could it be fake? Of course it can. It just seems authentic with all the world leaders there to observe it. And he shows it on the camera, you know, I'll, so he's going to talk in Russian. I'm going to talk over it with the translation. All right, here we go. Starts off with dear friends, dear friends, Russia never rejected negotiations. I want to draw your attention to this, that with the assistance of the president Erdogan of Turkey, as you know, Turkey hosted a whole series of negotiations between Russia and Ukraine to develop and build trust, as you mentioned, and the preparation of the exact text of the treaty. We never agreed with the Ukrainian side that this agreement will be confidential, but we never showed it before, nor commented on it. This draft of this treaty was initiated by the leader of the negotiation group from Kiev. He put his signature there, and then he shows it, shows it around the table. It exists. It was called Treaty of Permanent Neutrality and Security Guarantees of Ukraine. About the guarantee, about what you said, my dear friend, President of the Republic of South Africa, there are 18 articles, and he's showing it. Moreover, there's also an addendum to it. And they, like you know, I won't even talk about it now, they apply to the armed forces and touch other things. Everything is spelled out. Up to the amount of units of military equipment and the personnel of the armed forces. Here is the document showing, and South Africa's nodding. It is initialed by the Kiev delegation. Signature is there. Well after we, as promised, withdrew troops from Kiev. Kiev authorities, in the same way owners usually do, threw it all away. To the garbage dump of history, let's say. Carefully, trying to phrase it intelligently. Unbelievable. That was Putin the other day to South Africa's leadership. I mean, do you believe what's going on here? So you got, let's just recap everything real quick. You got the head, uh, so you got the Russian defense minister saying that they have intel that they have intelligence that they're going to be hit with missiles from Ukraine, which immediately will be a full-scale involvement of the U.S. and U.K., and they will retaliate by striking, quote, decision-making centers, which could mean striking Zelensky, the leader, okay? Then... You have Zelensky saying, we have a report from our intelligence and secret service of Ukraine saying that Russia is considering a scenario of a terrorist attack on the Zaforia nuclear power plant, a terrorist attack with radiation leakage that they have prepared everything for this. And he's warning everyone. And then you have Putin coming out saying, hey, we had a peace treaty. You were told that none of this existed. Well, here it is. Look, don't believe your lying eyes. And then we got enough chaos going on, in, at least in America, with domestic politics and just unbelievable insanity and division and polarization. 
intentional? I don't know. But this is where we're at. And this is serious, all right? Because when it comes to humans, I am always on team human. And there are a lot of people, if you root for war of any kind, you're, you're anti-human. You don't, like, you don't like team human, okay? So it doesn't matter who it's coming from. When someone says that they think that peace is the way out, let's go that route, okay? It doesn't matter if it comes from someone you hate. If you hate Biden, he said peace, get over it. If Trump says peace and you hate him, Get over it. It doesn't matter. It has nothing to do with that, with who says it. It's about peace in the Middle East. It's about the peace for everybody, man. Okay, this is it. We're entering the last stage of humanity. We don't need this. We got enough nonsense with CBDCs. We got censorship. Unbelievable stuff. And so we will leave on this bonus. I just I just came across this new video from friend of the show, Jay Bhattacharya, of this incredible uh, testimony from uh, AG, Attorney General Andrew Bailey. And Jay says, this testimony by Andrew Bailey is fantastic. He is right that Missouri versus Biden is the most important free speech case of our generation, at least. And that the Biden administration's contempt for free speech should shock every American. Share it with your friends everywhere. Since he's a friend of the show and a good friend, of course we will share it. And you need to hear it. So we will end with this five-minute testimony because as we've been saying, this isn't about right, left. This isn't political. This is literally elites versus peasants and your rights for your for you and your children for eternity or for a long time. When you give them up, you don't get them back. Okay, that I can promise you. Listen to this testimony about what we've been talking about this podcast for a year after they have exposed so much in discovery and just you. Re- this is chilling, but so important. Please take a listen. This is the select subcommittee on the coronavirus pandemic. Under oath, here we go. The opportunity to appear before you here this morning. In May of last year, Missouri partnered with the state of Louisiana and private plaintiffs to file a landmark lawsuit against dozens of officials in the federal government to stop the biggest violation of the First Amendment in this nation's history. My office obtained more than 20,000 pages of evidence detailing extraordinary censorship efforts by a variety of officials within the federal government. My office also deposed key witnesses, including Dr. Anthony Fauci and officials from the FBI, State Department, Department of Homeland Security, Office of the Surgeon General, and the CDC. The evidence that we've uncovered only begins to scratch the surface of these First Amendment violations. Ultimately, the lawsuit is about obtaining truth and accountability. Last month, a federal judge heard oral argument on a motion for preliminary injunction filed by plaintiffs in this case. The judge expressed skepticism over many of the federal government's responses to queries posed by the court, even likening the situation to George Orwell's novel 1984. Concerns have been noted by the United States Supreme Court. Justice Gorsuch recently opined that federal officials may have pressured social media companies to suppress information about the pandemic policies with which they disagreed. The 20,000 plus pages of documents my office has uncovered reveal that Justice Gorsuch's suspicions are in fact a sobering reality. The government's strategy to suppress speech in violation of the First Amendment is threefold. First, officials attempt to harm big tech companies by threatening to remove their legal protections or by issuing statements deeply harmful to the company's public image. Second, backed by previous threats, officials communicate behind doors with tech flagging specific speech that officials dislike and badgering the companies to suppress that speech. Third, once officials have threatened tech companies and flagged specific content, 
the implicit promise arrives. If tech companies censor when asked, the government will back down from their public statements to harm the companies. As former White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki has boasted from the White House podium, they certainly understand what our asks are. And the censorship activities have grown so widespread that the Department of Homeland Security last year worked to create a disinformation governance board to coordinate efforts to censor between government agencies. Following these efforts, the court has characterized DHS as the nerve center of a federally directed censorship enterprise. As we saw in coordination between officials at DHS and the FBI in their attempt to silence the Hunter Biden laptop story in the weeks leading up to the 2020 election. Big tech companies have shown themselves eager to censor in recent years. It's also clear from the evidence that much of the speech affected would not have been removed but for the government's express involvement. The judicially misconstrued Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act has made it much easier for the government to create its vast censorship network. By granting certain companies far more protection than co Congress ever contemplated, the incorrectly interpreted Section 230 has enabled social media companies to consolidate control into the hands of a few enormously powerful actors. This consolidation reduces the pressure not to censor that would otherwise exist in a competitive market, while also making it much easier for federal officials to exercise pressure over the social media field. The federal government itself recognizes the legal problems with its actions. In an attempt to make it harder to detect their blatant legal violations, officials have begun outsourcing their censorship activities to pseudo-private organizations. Emails obtained reveal that officials believe this structure will help them evade liability under the First Amendment. But any federal attempt to censor speech is still unconstitutional. The government cannot do by indirect means what it would be prohibited from doing directly. The evidence also shows that federal censorship enterprise targets conservative voices. Last month, Biden's lawyers conceded in open court nearly all content suppressed by the federal government is conservative. This is not about truth. It's always been about power. Perhaps most troubling, Biden's lawyers recently shared with a judge that they have no plans to discontinue their censorship network. That admission makes this case one of the most important First Amendment cases in our nation's history. The freedom of speech enshrined in the First Amendment is the bedrock of this great nation. It's one of the fundamental rights guaranteed to all Americans. With this lawsuit, we're fighting to protect our liberties from all government interference. No government official has the right to tell us what to think, what to say, or what to hear. That's why this case is so important. The question of our time is whether Americans will enjoy the legacy of free speech handed down to us by the founding generation, or whether government will control what we say, what we hear, and how we debate the veracity of claims and arguments. We're locked in a pitch battle for the very character of our nation. If we do not prevail over the government officials who seek to control speech, millions of Americans will be left with what Justice Gorsuch has described as a shell of a democracy with civil liberties, justice hollow. Thank you. So um, I have other clips to play, but that's just too powerful. I mean, that's just, let me ask you, what kind of, if you're an American, whether you're in the world anywhere, what kind of country do you want to live in? What kind of country do you want your kids to live in? What kind of rights do you want? Do you know how important freedom of speech is? You know that most of human history, they never had it. There was always either like some priest or some dictator, some king or some like religious leader that they told you what to believe, what was true. This is so new. And if you're just going to give it away without even a fight, you should be ashamed, but you should really be ashamed if you're cheering it on and advocating for it. And especially those that call themselves 
call themselves journalists. Because if you're a journalist, you should be fighting for this and say free Julian Assange and all this stuff harder than ever before. None of this has been under threat like it, like it is right now. This is massive. And if you care about the future and the freedom that you and your family and future generations will have, well, let me ask you one question. What are you going to do about it? That's all I got today for the Jonathan Cogan Show. You think about that. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Share this with someone who needs to hear it. There's someone that you know that needs to hear this. Let's bring the people together. Let's keep freedom of speech. Let's get more rights for humans. And let's take the peasants to the next level. This is our stage of humanity. This is our time. The information war is on our side. Let's do this. You and I, us, together, everyone. Pro-human, pro-earth. The Jonathan Cogan Show. See you tomorrow.